Welcome to It's a Good Life, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Today we have a special treat for you. Brian, live on stage from a recent event. Let's listen in. One of the great gifts you have is you have all each other. But I, let me say this. Dermot and I love to play golf together. Uh, we play with Kevo. Kevo comes out and his performer goes nuts. So we, I bring Kevin out for scrambles because Kevin doesn't want to do the practice or the work or anything. That's not free-spirited. But we're in a scramble. Hit it as hard as you can. And, and when Kevin and I have this very unique relationship, I literally will put the ball on the tee for him. Okay. Hand him what club he should hit. On occasion, I'm talking to somebody and he has 100 yards and he'll hit a driver. What just happened? You didn't give it to me. So, right. So we have this, and he plays great in scrambles. Dermot's a great golfer. We play competitive golf all the time, and we'll give each other tips, but we don't coach each other. You know why? Because we're not really good at it. In fact, recently, we bet, both went and took a lesson together on a little trip we were on, and we realized we'd been giving each other the wrong advice. <laughs> now... You guys can synergize together and there's magic. And some people think that's all I need. There's no comparison with having a coach. So, how would you coach Cool Hand Luke if that could even be done? How would you coach through that profile? Well, if he came to me, this beautifully wounded man, um, the first thing that we would need to do is reconnect him to his vision. What is his purpose? What is his values? What is he working to create? Um, You know, I think so much of what we can see happen is people, when they're wanting to reconnect to vision or purpose or values, they do lens work. They're looking at all the things that are happening around them in the landscape. We need to do mirror work first. We have to look ourselves in the eye and ask, what is this restlessness telling us? What is this discomfort and why am I running away from it? We need to ask ourselves where we want to go. Like we need to actually hold ourselves accountable to that, right? And so, you know, the first thing that I would really want to do is just kind of sit in that space with him and and pay attention to the self-destructive behavior that this man is showing, right? What is his negative self-talk? What is going on there? Why is it coming up? Where is, where are these like false narratives coming from? These stories that he's telling himself and just sit in it for a minute and see what is going on. What are we running away from as opposed to what are we running toward? You know, he, I'm seeing so much of him stuck in what he doesn't want. I want to hear what he wants. I want to see the vulnerability. I want to know where we're going so that we can connect to that hope. And so that takes me to the second thing that I would work on, which is just reconnecting, reaffirming his strengths. Truly what is great about him as an individual and then provide perspective on these predators. You know, the, the strengths are exactly as Kevin said. They are our God-given abilities. This is who we were meant to be in this world. We have got to step in and own that space. And so when we can embrace the strengths, like truly who we were created to be, that's where the hope comes. That's where we know that tomorrow is going to be different than today because we are going to create that. When it comes to giving perspective on the predators that we have, I think it's really important for us to just normalize what they are. Predators are not a bad thing. They're a thing. They happen. They're an amygdala hijack where 
when we, it's, it's our body's physiological automatic response to stressors, to, I mean, honestly, when we go back to primal days, it is to survival. Like, we need to survive. The challenge now, though, is that we don't encounter as many physical, you know, threats as we do psychological now. And so now the threats that we are, you know, flooded with and getting hijacked from could be our significant other. They could be our coworkers. They could be people that have our back completely. But if we don't see that, if our brain is flooded, if we can't even process what's happening, then we go to the deepest, darkest part of ourselves. And so all we need to do is just recognize what's happening, normalize it, realize that it is okay. It is not bad, but we cannot stay there. Because if we stay there, we see what happens in this movie. You know, I was thinking about just right that. You know, in our world today, even beyond that, we have not only the social media, but the media. One of the things we're seeing with all the, the surveys with the lockdowns, a lot of older people just sitting home watching the news all day long. And, you know, we, we have the greatest parents in the world. We love them dearly. Uh, but I'm like, we're, we're, we, we went home a couple months ago. We tried to hijack the TV. You know what I'm saying? And I, we got to turn that crap off. Because it just rotisserizes and rotisserizes and rotisserizes. And so it used to be hard enough to do it as a person. And now, like you say, we don't have bears chasing us and so on and so forth. But now we have this chasing us all the time. And it's relentless. It's 24 hours a day. And it hits our phone. And we get dings about it. And this happens and that happens. And, and so this seems to be even more extreme than ever before. Yes. And, you know, words have power. We have to, like, words physiologically change what is happening in our brain. And so going back to that negative self-talk, like if, if they're words that we're saying about ourselves, if we're, they're words that we're letting other people put on us, like that feeling of oppression that puts us down, it changes the firing that is happening in our brain. It changes who we are and how we show up. And we have to cut that. We cannot hold space for that. And so it leads me, you know, to the last thing that I'd work on with him right out of the gates, and, and that's we've got to co-create change together. We have got to take steps in the direction of what we are working to create, not what we are running away from. And so really I think what that looks like is it's not about diminishing the restlessness. It's not about trying to, you know, lower his discomfort or his pain or, or any of that. What are we creating? I want to talk about what we're creating with him. And so how can we create more peace in his life? How can we gift him with more freedom as opposed to him creating, you know, this self-fulfilling prophecy where he's actually working to create his own oppression. He, he is number one created for freedom. Let's create more freedom. Let's create connection. And so those are the first three things I'd work on. Because it's a movie character, right? So let's not cry here, okay? But you think about it, you know, maybe who knows what percentage of chance there is, right? He had, you said first if he came to you. Yes. Right, which is one of the most masterful parts of our process. It, like we have companies all the time who want to pay for their agents to get coached by us. And the answer is always no. And we've, we've turned down millions of dollars like this. Uh, giant corporations, publicly traded companies. Because we go, there's no chance. Because, okay, Luke, you got to get coached by Rachel. It doesn't matter how spectacular it could be. It's not going to happen. Would you guys agree? They have to have skin in the game. They have to want it. So first is he comes to you. The, the thing I think about when I hear you talk and, and is... Imagine what he could have been. I know. I know who he could have been. I have coached those people. Like, I know. They're in this room right now because they are doing the work. Wow. And, and that's the deal. You know, it's, it's, 
it's part of the job. Like, we can't almost think about it. You know, it's heartbreaking, right? I mean, I remember, it was actually Joe Nego kind of did a little intervention on me 26 years ago. And uh, I, every time I see Todd Nordstrom, I, there's a couple of funny incidents happened when I was down in Miami, when I was doing the first tours, and I was out there, and 50 people in the room and whatnot. But there's one, I remember I was once in my life in Fort Myers, and I did this seminar, and there was this gal, and she had two young kids, and a husband had left her, and she just kind of laid out where she was at. And I'm like, it was like saying, I have this disease, and I'm like, I have this cure. And um, I, I did everything in my power to do everything other than give it to her. Um, and when she walked away, I, she knew she needed it. She knew she, it would work for her. And she walked away, and both of us knew she wasn't going to do it. And that night, I had a cross-country flight. I'd been away from my family for 18 days, young kids, your kid's age. And I, I end up calling Joe, because if I'd called Beverly, she'd just tell me to suck it up, and she'd have been right. But <laughs> I called Joe, and I said, I think I'm done. Because, and I'm Mr. Relentless. And because I'm like, I'm out here, I'm busting my chops. I have this huge business. We have this great big life. I'm away from my family. I'm over here in kingdom come. I, I feel like a carny huckster because I'm, I, you know, 50 people in a room and you need to buy my seminar and this and that. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? And then I meet this person who I desperately want to help. And she's not going to get the help. And I remember, and Joe, and, and someone brought it up in the Synergy meeting today. And Joe goes, Buff, when you were representing a buyer, did you ever want to help someone more than they wanted to help themselves? And he says, you just can't want it more than them. You have to focus on the ones that want it and then pour your whole soul into those people. And that, that's why there's a thousand white hats in this room today, okay? And because you're the ones who want it. And the folks at Mastermind and the folks who are in the coaching and the folks who come along in, in the different memberships and the training. And so, again, many of you have teams, many of you have family members, you want it so desperately for them, it, it hurts. Is that true? But um, I think about, you know, uh, the, the, uh, you've been in my office, you say, the glory of God is a human person fully alive. And I've seen you help, and that team of 75 life-changing coaches that are the best in the world that help human beings come fully alive every day. And I look at that. Now, again, thankfully, Paul Newman turned out okay. But, uh, you know, he was my hero, Cool Hand Luke, and the boys know it. And I think, man, if only he'd have known. Can I say one more thing about it? So um, a few years ago, my husband and I had experienced a loss, and we were sitting with our pastor right down the street, actually, here. And uh, he said, don't waste the pain. Don't waste the pain. We are guaranteed to go through pain and hardship in this world. Guaranteed. You cannot love without loss, Right. And don't waste the pain, but allow that pain to fuel and further your purpose. And and so, you know, I think we've all gone through some challenge and pain at many different levels in this room. Do not waste it. Don't forget why you're here today. Like, it is only going to fuel what is possible and fuel that purpose. Okay. Sorry, Darm, you have to follow that. Um, Okay. Save the best till the middle. Um, So, uh, <laughs> um, you don't pay me enough. <laughs> I'm not paying you anything for this. That's true. Um, forgot to ask the question. So, 
I got six golf balls waiting for you Wednesday. I love it. Um, it's not enough. With a shamrock on them. Mm, got them. Uh, so I, I've got two questions for you because uh, we kid around, but you're a leader I respect the most. And, and uh, as you lead this company, and, and uh, the people can't quite get our relationship because I'm this firebrand, wild entrepreneur. But when it comes to the organization, he leads the team and I'm part of the team. So when it comes to the team, I will submit myself to the leader. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. I, I was submit. affirming you there for a yeah. moment. I almost he paid you a freaking compliment. See, that's how Casey, we Casey, can we look up the dictionary for the word yeah, right. uh, submit, please? <laughs> well, maybe there's a form of it in there. Maybe it's in the Hebrew, the Greek. <laughs> I don't know. This Sorry, is how I on. see the uh -huh. world. We're going to talk about this in a yeah. second. So anyway, what are the leadership traits about Luke you liked? And now more, because we have a lot of leaders in this room, how would you lead this dude if he was on your team? Well, I'd probably call Kevin, and then I'd call Rachel. Yeah. Um, and it's great stuff, isn't it? Um, so, <clears throat> I, I mean, we're so thankful to have coaches who understand this, and this is a great tool, because it, it really helps people. And I think... You know, you said mirroring, right? And I think if we look in the mirror, if we pay attention, we can see a lot of things. And a lot of times, you know, paying attention as a leader is just like sometimes helping people see themselves when they don't see themselves. Mm -hmm. And they can't see themselves. And sometimes they see what's wrong. And so, and then who knows them? I mean, the character Dragline, who's the prisoner boss, you know, he makes a great statement and a great sentence. He said, you know, he goes, Luke, he grins like a baby, but he bites like a gator. And if you're going to be in leadership, you better have both of those characteristics. So he's got great charisma. He has the ability to rally the troops, to bring energy. Uh, you saw him on the, the chain gang, and he's getting everybody fired up, and let's get this done, and, and great energy. It's fun to watch. And then he's also able to stay to his convictions and what he believes and not be swayed by peer pressure when he's in the card game. So I think finding a place to start, to say, let's lead from there. Let's lead from the fact that you have charisma, you have gifts, you've got relational ability, you're a team builder. Um, and then help them, see, help them positively put those things into play, use them for good. But then also, I think for all of us, is to remind ourselves that we have to be, we have to be tough. We have to be resilient. We have to fight for what we want. And we also have to fight for ourselves and who we can be. And as leaders, and you're all leaders here, is that you fulfill that role for more people than you even know. And so they're the characteristics I see in them. Smile just like a baby and fight like a gator. Yep. Bites like a gator. Bites like a, even better. Yeah. I mean, you're the leader of your database. You know, many, how many of you have a team? You're the leader of your team. Most of you are the leader in your company. You may not be the highest producer, but you're the one they watch. And again, with that comes responsibility. Now, how many of you have someone on your team or in your family or in your community that you desperately want them to get it? You want them to have the Rachel experience. I would transform their life, and you're hanging on for dear life, and they're on your team, but you just kind of, they have you scratching your head. How many of you have a head scratcher? Yeah. So what would you do with Lucas if he was at Buffco? That's what I want to know. Well, today we probably wouldn't hire him. Because he has a 5% chance of making it. Maybe. If he really applies himself. 
Because the truth of the matter is we have such a great team. You have to protect the team. You have to have people who complement the team, not distract the team, not compete with the team. But I think what I would do is, and I'm an amateur at this, I would probably, you know, I would definitely reach out to you guys, but I would probably reorganize his profile a little bit for him and help him to lead from a positive place. So pull it up there for a second, Casey. Here's what's interesting about him, is that he is constantly an anti-establishment guy who can only survive in an establishment. Mm. He's a war hero. He's in the military. They don't care about your feelings. You have a job. He excelled until he got court-martialed. He got yeah, thrown out. Right. So the very thing that helped him and the way Kevin was saying the structure is actually the thing he, he just doesn't do, he does great in up until a point. Right, so Kevin worked for me in Buffini Real Estate, then got off the plantation for a while and was totally free. That didn't last too long. And then he came back to Buffco. And so he is a radical free spirit, as if you couldn't decide that. So how does it work? Is uh, The way I've always worked, and we have a great working relationship, is I go, okay, Kevo, here's the structure, and there's an electric fence there. Okay? You go near the fence, on the fence, you get fried. And he's gotten fried a few times because he wants to see. <laughs> but inside that box, you can color it any way you want. You can color way the, when you want, how you want, what color you want, because I see the gift and I see the value, and he goes to town. Right, so, so your gifts are not a condition. Oh, this person has the free spirit condition. Right? You, are you guys with me? And so, like, so that's where, that sounds contrary that you would do so well inside a structure, but that's really the dynamic. And that's what but you're it's bringing a, up. It's a loose structure, right? So like I said, if I told you guys do everything at 9.15, you wouldn't do it. It's too structured. If you allowed free spirits to design the freeway, there'd be no lines. Go that way! Now, I, I want to speak to one thing. All right. If you are paying the person, you get to do this. Yes. If they get to work for themselves, they can do whatever they want. But if they work for you, it's your job as the leader to put the framework together to say, this is in our best interest, because I'm going to help you win. So the free spirit, I'm sorry, you go away. The Olympian, I'm going to get the Olympian engaged, because I'm going to use that power, that superpower, and I'm going to say... I'm going to take away all the crappy things that they're doing and all the negative things and all the challenges that don't help us achieve our outcomes, personally and professionally, and I'm going to load them up with positive tasks, outcomes, and challenges. The justice... I'm tasks, gonna, outcomes, and challenges. Tasks, outcome, and challenges. And outcomes is number one. Okay? Because there's going to be challenges on the way to the outcomes, and then there's tasks that are going to ensure that you achieve the outcome and the positive results you want. Okay, that's a whole other... We could and that gets kind of ties back into Rachel's vision piece, mm -hmm. right? So the, the outcome is part of that vision. Here's what we're trying to get accomplished. Right. Here's and, what we're and to be reminded of that because we get distracted, right? You cannot lead from circumstances. And you can't lead anybody else from circumstances. You have to pause to say, what are the outcomes that we have to achieve? Mission critical. Financial, personal, health-wise, whatever it might be. So I'm going to launch the Olympian on positive tasks, challenges to achieve outcomes. The justice I'm going to park for now, because I'm also paying this person, I'm saying, just so you know, in this instance, I'm right. And we're going to be right until I'm wrong, okay? So we're going to park that one. The performer, yeah, we're okay, we're, we're going away with that one. And then I'm going to engage as team builder. And I'm going to say, you're great with people. You're great at bringing people together. 
And what I want you to do is be a positive influence on the people that you're bringing together with those positive tasks and challenges that you're doing. And the last piece I would leave for a little bit of fun is a bit of bandwidth. And I don't know, Kevin and Rachel, what you would do because this feels like it would help out the free spirit a little bit. I'd give them enough space to explore because he's an explorer. I'd give them enough diversity to keep them out of adversity. So it could be a creative outlet. A creative outlet. Creative Have outlet. a go. Bring me back right. a recommendation. What do you think? Did you see that that can be done better? If they come back with a question, they say, why do we do this? And I go, I don't know why we do this. That's not a great answer. So I'd leave some room for recommendations. So again, I would highly recommend that you go back and talk to your coach and say, where should I be leading from? And condense and simplify your profile down to, I'm going to leave, lead from the positives. You can address the negatives and you can get some help and we can work with you on that. But let's start with winning from a place where you're really designed to win from. And just, and just limit it down. So, and I said, and if you've got a team, and if you have a cool hand Luke on your team, your, your job is to come up, your job is to do this. It's poor leadership. It's irresponsibility for us as leaders not to sit down and say, I care about you enough to lead you through this process because I think you're worth it and you've got great gifts and you've got great abilities. So that's what I would do. Can I share one thing you did? Actually, just one, there was one thing. No, specifically <laughs> one thing. Years of lead, oh. you, so I don't know if anybody in this room actually knows this. You know, Brian and, and Dermot gifted each servant leader with a Good Life Friday once a month, every month. Also and called Free Spirited Friday. So, just so but you I'm know, saying, you're but free spirits. <laughs> Kevin said, "There's no way I'm just taking one a month." In fact, I won't take Fridays off. Kevin does it on Thursday. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Free spirits are absolutely, I know, you know, there's a lot of stuff to say about them, but they are most naturally designed to live the good life. And we all need to, who are not, need to stand by and take notes. And you get, you put it in a box, you know, like you set it aside so that it could show up appropriately, but you gifted it with a day off. So you gave it a lane for all the great of who they are to show up at work. And then you gave a lane for the freedom. Yeah. Well, thank you. And he bit like a gator because I found out how much that was going to cost. Yeah, it's not cheap. And he, he, and he was like, hey, this is what we need to do. This is what the people need. And my guess is overall we're going Reinvigoration. To do and we have, yeah. Well, and here's the reality is we were, you know, and I don't know, have any of you have a hard time taking a day off? Like, do you need permission? How Every you, hand, come yeah. on, people. Yeah, how many right. of you are fine? You have to be sick to be okay with taking a day off. I'll tell you mine. And I still fight this. I feel good about taking a day off when everyone's off. Oh, it's July 4th. Okay, good. I don't have to work. Are you guys with me? And that, that as it turns out, is, is, has been a very destructive thought for me. You know, I really have to work through that. Because here's the thing. Because people who have a job and who are taking off July 4th aren't also building content at 11 o'clock at night or traveling all over here, or working on the weekends to do the podcast schedule, or doing that, and then I have to feel good because it's a bank holiday or whatever it's called. So I have to, be, and so it's, it's, it's that, because I'm a working dog, right? And so I work when people work, and I love when people are off, and I like driving around on those days off, and you're the same way. And the problem is, you're available to work. Some of you are working today. That's what you were doing at lunchtime when you got a break in the synergy, and you have transactions on life support and the client you can't find a home for for two and a half years, all of a sudden the listing came available today. <laughs> You're in San Diego. And so, so we have to create that structure for ourselves. And in this case, the blessing for you is you get to co-create it with a coach.
You got to co-create it, and here is the dynamic. It, that, that is the good life. We needed Good Life Fridays to live the good life. And so we've done that. I, I want to do this. I want to jump ahead because we could, we could be out here a long time. Um, we've always known with the profile where we see it the most extreme is under incredible stress or incredible terms of relaxation. People's profile, by the way, become pronounced under stress and when laid back and cool as a breeze. When you're most laid back, least likely to control your profile. When you're most intense, more likely to be a slave to the profile because the intense attributes all come to the surface. Maybe we can talk a little bit about COVID, what we've seen, what we've witnessed, and maybe this can minister to some people here because we've witnessed all kinds of stuff in our database, and our database is the best of the best. But we've seen this with our members over the last couple of years, and maybe you can speak to that, Kev. Yeah, I I would tell you, when I reach out to the coaches, I have access to 10,000 people. That's a really good skin scraping of society, especially in our world. Right, so there's a hundred coaches. They're giving me what the patterns and trends they're overhearing, but they don't know what the other coaches are saying because this is just coming to me. Because I'm listening for trends, I don't want to listen for coincidence. I kept hearing the same things again and again and again and again all over the place. And then Rachel cued me into some things that, I, and sort of, I went on an absolute mission to discover what all these little side effects of COVID were. Even if you never had the bloody disease, there were social effects. Um, we had five times the numbers of profiles in one year than we've ever had. Um, first four people I talked to at the event in Los Angeles, the first four people came up to me after being in the business, some of them 20 years, they all wanted to change professions, which is what Rachel had told me and, and cued me into, so I was on that kind of a path. Hey, let me ask you this, honest question, right? Honest time. How many of you had the thought over the last couple of years, getting the hell out of Dodge and doing something different? Could I see your hands nice and high? Okay. We know. Yeah. Will you share with us, Kevin? Sure, I'll go first. You're up here humiliating the hell out of me anyway. Why don't I go first? <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for letting us know like this. <laughs> Surprise! So, <laughs> last year, I was... Okay, back up. I moved into a tiny little place. I'm always doing social experiments on myself to see how I would feel. What's it like? So I moved into a mobile home park one time to see what everybody's talking about. I did. Jamie Taylor. I was there for 12 weeks until my next-door neighbor freaked me out and I had to leave. But I'm always doing these experiments. My latest one was to move into the tiniest studio I could, get a tiny car, tiny expenses, and just live really, really small and save like a demon for real estate. So I'm just going to live isolated, alone, in this tiny little spot. And I was loving life. And then COVID hit. And so I'm more isolated. I'm more alone. I did a bloody podcast with David Lally. Of course, everybody just wanted to hear more about David Lally's sexy voice. They couldn't care less about the content I just dropped in there for an hour. And I told everybody what to watch for during stress because when abilities get cornered, they come to life. It's like a reflex. So I was telling everybody, look, what you'll notice first is the ethicals and all the integrity people will be pointing out who's not wearing masks and that should cover your nose, not just your chin. And the, 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 the relational folks were worried about wanting to get together, but they really shouldn't because that's a really bad thing. And people were having all these reactions. And I remember saying on that podcast, I can't wait to see what happens. I'm geeking out. And I wanted to see all these different social reactions that were going to happen and how that would affect people so we could coach them up and love them up and guide them. And I spent all my time focusing on the horizon to see where my firefighter in my profile. Any firefighters? I see one. 
where I could where I could help. As soon as COVID hit, I said, I'm going to nail this. I am going to dig. I'm going to get under the ground. Nobody's ever going to find me. I'll wear 20 masks. I'll talk to no one unless I'm asked to. I'll go nowhere. I'm going to kill this thing. And I start getting more and more isolated, more and more introverted. And I started reaching out to people who were going through really freaky times during COVID. And some of these conversations are very dark. Lack of, you know, could be death in the family, divorce, all of these things that were sneaking in. I didn't have the capacity, really, to handle all of that during COVID. But my thought was, and sometimes you get the wrong quote at the wrong time, I was one of Victor um, Frankl's quotes about, if you're to shine your light, there must be excessive burning. If you're to shine your light, there must be excessive burning. (laughs) So I thought, Let me write that one down. I'm kind of getting drained helping people, but you're supposed to be burning, so do it. And what I did was I turned off my voice inside to any kind of needs I had to firefight everybody else. And little by little, I was getting out of a really good stable state into an emotional state, a frantic state, and I was depressed, I was isolated, I was uh, anxious. Um, What else? Hopeless to some degree. And then you start feeling trapped. And what do free spirits do when we start feeling trapped? So I go... Right, I think it's time for me to leave the company. And he goes, oh, yeah, what's going on? I said, ah, you know, this fella punched me from the NFL, and he thought maybe we could do some things together. And, you know, I think that's what I need to do. I think that's what's causing all this anxiety. I just need to move my feet. We're not moving. I need to move quick enough. This isn't happening. I think my time has come. God bless. Take care. He goes, wait, 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 wait. Um, so, and I'm rapid, so you want to do it quickly. So usually what I do is I'll call Dermo, and Dermo usually his first reaction or response, no matter what I ask him, is no. <laughs> so how to handle a free spirit 101. Yeah. No. No. And then I hear that my parents are sick, and my mother got, thought she had a cancer diagnosis, and I thought my dad had dementia. So I flew home to take care of them, and I wasn't in a good state. And I robbed their purpose for 90 rolls. I ended up taking my dad's car away. All of these things, and each one of these things kept building. You also did a great job for them, by the way, while you were there. You were a freaking hero. Yeah, you saved their lives. So what I noticed, usually I can compartmentalize, and a lot of guys do this, but they put the stuff in the attic. And eventually that attic gets pretty freaking heavy. And down she came. I came back from Ireland. I was probably 35 pounds overweight. I went to meet the boys the very next day, and by their faces I knew how bad I looked. They're like, ah! I couldn't swing a gob club I was so fat Alright Anyway, so long story short It was coming to my God, I'm going to have to move to Ireland I'm going to have to say goodbye to all my friends So I started going through the process of getting all my buddies together And deleting them all And uh, And you had a business plan Oh, I had this whole dialed in I had a bloody business plan the whole lot so uh, when, I, when I came back from Ireland, it was, it was in my head, well, I'm probably going to have to move. And, and, you know, we can probably work remotely in Ireland. I'm going to have to set up a business. But, oh, God, even Freud didn't want to take on the Irish because he can't psychoanalyze the Irish. This is going to be a desperate business. <laughs> so I come back. I meet with Bri. And I could, uh, neither one of us were really on or in a great space. But we are glad to see each other, and we were talking. Then I start dripping on Dermo about maybe it's time to go, it's time to go, it's time to go. And Brian says, hey, why don't you put a business plan together? Let's have a chat and let's, let's talk. You and me, let's do it. I'm like, great, just like old times. 
An hour before I'm going to go in to talk to Captain Caveman, Derma calls. Hey, what are you doing? I'm going to go meet with Bri. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. D- would you mind if I sat in on that? Oh, no, no, come on. Be great. Glad to have you. So I'm sitting around. The boys get together. Okay, what do you want to do? I'm going to do this. and I'm going to have this whole thing. And I bought this license. And, blah, blah, blah. and Brian's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Dermo goes, uh, question. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> he said, do you want to run a business? I'm like, God, no. <laughs> okay, we're done here. I'm like, all right, then. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's why I start with no. Right. No, but I, I will tie this up. He, did, he was very smart. What he did was he said, I'll tell you what, leave it with me. And he came back and he said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to kick up a few more bucks. I'm like, go ahead. He said, but uh, we're going to give you more freedom. Or at least that's how I heard it. He said something like, don't ever come in here ever again. <laughs> I heard, work from home. Where did we get to the agree? Did we agree to more money too? What the hell? No. So, so let, let, me, let me throw this in. Because that's a very creative description. Um, <laughs> so everybody, you guys all had thoughts. You've had staff and clients and people you know, and people in our community, and some people have gone over the cuckoo's nest and done their thing. And for some people, maybe it's the right decision. I don't know. But we've watched people, like, literally throw away fortunes and businesses and cause undue pressure. And he was about to do it. Now, here's, here's the big thing. Context-wise, because, you know, we're also brothers, which adds a whole other dynamic to everything, is the key was Kevin, when he came to us, was highly valued, highly respected, Kevin, tell us everything you're thinking. And that's why I kept saying, uh-huh. Tell me more. Tell me more. And he had a presentation. And, you know, he had this big plan. It was one page. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And, and it was huge financial risk, and it was huge this, and huge that. And I, okay, great. You okay, great. Okay, great. And then, but here's the key. He got a chance to talk it out completely. All the way. And we affirmed him all the way, like, okay, okay, well, that might, how might that work? Okay, that could work. We weren't trying to talk him out of it. We were trying to see if this plan could work because we wanted the best for him, and he got to talk it out. Now, this is a big deal. And at the end of him talking it out, then Dermo said, do you really want to do this? And he's like, hell no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. Kevo has been faithful, 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 grinding, grinding, because we've promised next year we're going to put millions into... Heritage. Next year, we're going to put the research in. Next year, we're going to do it. And we ran into recessions and challenges and difficulties and people suing us and all these different things. And what was wild was we had made all the investments. We had made the commitment. And the thing he was hoping to see happen for years and years and years with the thing he had kind of was his baby was right here, right now. And he was about to walk away from the promised land when it was actually being delivered. And can I just throw one thing in yeah, there? Yeah, sure. Because I, I see this in business. I see this in life. I know we see this with coaches, which is, and this is going to sound maybe a little chintzy, but I believe this, which is right before a breakthrough, yeah. you'll have a near breakdown. Yes. And when it happens, don't be surprised. Yes. It's just designed to take you away from where you're supposed to go. That's great. And when you're there, don't panic. You know, reevaluate, check in with people who know you, love you, believe in you, and then wait it out. 
And I promise you, you'll have the breakthrough because we've had and that. And keep your eyes on the price. Many times. The truth of the matter is, Kevo waited truthfully seven years. Truthfully. And he, he was faithful and put it all in every day and did everything he was asked of him and then more. And we finally, the circumstances were right. And, you know, we can't create. I mean, he calls me up. Hey, we should start a REIT. And I get phone calls like that at like 11 o'clock at night. Okay, okay, Kev, thanks. Yeah. And um, so... He, he has ideas, but businesses don't kind of work like that. Certainly organizations our size. But the dynamic was the vision, and Rachel was talking about this with Cool Hand Luke, the vision was right there, and the circumstances clouded out the vision. The breakdown happened right before the breakthrough. And let's be, I'll be kind of, first of all, powerful. And this is, the real thing is this is what we do. We are transparent people that'll tell you our struggles, our challenges, our ups and downs, and you know it's real. And then here's how we solution. And here's the thing. My bride is the justice and the truth teller. And she comes to me in her quiet way and she goes, Kevin's really doing well, isn't he? And he is. And that is, that's, Bev said that? There you go. Boom. That's huge. And he is. And he's, he's been on fire and the creativity and the insight. And now we have the free spirit unleashed and we're getting what we had is so much more with Kevin than it would have been with the structure we had created. So la- last piece here is, you, you, uh, on, you know, you represent a lot of people in the coaching department, and they represent thousands. What would be the biggest insights you would have from the coaching world that what we've experienced with people, what some people in this room are and have experienced, and many of their peers? Yeah, you know, I think the first thing that I would encourage all of us to do, and when I say us, like, I'm walking alongside with each and every one of you, you know, in this room. And one, we need to use this as a time to rethink. You know, there's mortality salience, which is basically like when we're facing down death, right? And and we've been staring at death statistics, you know, for the last couple of years here. You're and welcome. so I, I think it's safe to say, you know, that we've all kind of had more exposure, right? Where it, it causes us to change the way that we behave, what change the way we think. And that can be a time of true reflection, reconnecting with our purpose, our vision, our values, like what is most important to us. And it can be a time where we tuck tail and run in the opposite direction. And, and here's the deal. You cannot outrun your pain. You cannot avoid it. You cannot step to the side. You cannot jump over it. You have to sit in it and let it tell you what it needs to tell you. You need to feel what you need to feel, and then you need to move on. You cannot stay in it. And that leads us to then a time to recalibrate. And that's where we readjust how we show up every single day. We have to take actions, have behavior that is moving in the direction of what we are intending to create together, where we are wanting to go. And then the last piece that I would just say, we all need to reconnect. Reconnect with ourselves first and foremost. You know, we can only connect with other people as deeply and as richly as we are connected to ourselves. So if we do not have a connection with our strengths, who God has created us to be, like what our purpose is intended in this earth, if we cannot give grace to ourselves when our predators show up and learn to 
you know, work through them in a healthy way, I'm not going to be able to see your strengths and honor them and accept them and recognize them. I'm not going to be able to have grace and empathy when your predators pop out. All of us have all of that. It is going to happen. And so we need to reconnect with ourselves. We need to reconnect with each other. This event is so beautiful. It has brought tears to my eyes on multiple occasions, seeing you all be with each other, reconnect with the people around you and reconnect with your coach. Just like I said, you know, we are, we can only connect with people as well as we connect with ourselves. Sorry. Your coaching can only be as great as you connect with your coach. You have got to open up. You have got to be vulnerable. You have got to ask for what you need because we have the most exceptional coaches in the entire world that are begging to help facilitate and co-create every desire that you have that's in line with your purpose and your value. And y'all have to let them in. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's fun. It's so good. It's so good. You know, I, I get this all the time. Brian, I need to change coaches. And there's no doubt there's been times when a change of coach was needed and a fresh air. And sometimes we recommend it and pull us right. Sometimes a coach will recommend, hey, this person would do great with this and so on and so forth. And many of you have had great success with multiple coaches. But when somebody first comes to me and says, I need to change coach, I ask a couple of questions. And a lot of times it's this. I want to take this sour milk and put it into a new fridge. You know, we don't have any slackers at Buffco. We have a team of freaking superstars. It's interesting. We have people who could not make it at Buffco who went to competitors and became the best coach on their staff. That's a fact. Yep. We have rock stars. You've got to make yourself available and bring yourself to the table. The truth is, when we talk about Cool Hand Luke, there was a good chance with all our strength and all our team and all our skills, we couldn't help him because he wasn't going to bring himself to the table. The more you bring to yourself to the table, the more that will be brung. I see this all the time. I go, oh, yeah, my coach has only helped me do this and this and this. And I'm sitting there laughing and going, that coach has some of the most successful people we have in our system. There's only one common denominator about this conversation. It's you. That coach is a rock star. That coach has, if they, they wouldn't be there. We measure everything. Gator is watching the numbers all the time. And, and they're held to very, very high standards because we have a principle that the Buffinis were raised with that's been passed on. Can you put your name to it? Let me tell you, the most sacred thing we can do is when somebody trusts us and says, I'm put, I, this is my hope or sometimes my last hope, can you guys coach me? You better believe. We pour it all in. May the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.